This is Audio Gyan and I am your host Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a deep dive into the minds of luminaries from the Indian creative world. In feature films, the director is God. In documentary films, God is the director. Alfred Hitchcock. Welcome to this two-part series with Yann Smith-Gary. First part is about making a documentary and second part is his latest documentary on late architect B.B. Doshi called The Promise, Architect B.B. Doshi. Yann Smith uh, is a founder uh, of Pars Media. Uh, he founded it in 1988. Uh, it's a production company for high-quality documentaries and feature films with a focus on, I would say, creative fields, but classical music, dance and fine arts. Uh, his films have been broadcasted over 30 countries and uh, Yan has studied philosophy uh, and the first part is I hope going to be all philosophy uh, and uh, I've linked all his work in the show notes so please check it out and uh, yeah welcome Yan to Audio Gan. it's a real real honor to have you on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, uh, I got interested because uh, as as I started before the recording, I said about uh, AudioGAN has always been dominantly on documenting Indian designers and artists. But I have done few episodes definitely with people who have some sort of an Indian connect. And that's why I, I thought I'll just reach out to you, understand uh, uh, the BV Doshi aspect of it also. But since you're giving your like precious time, I thought I'll ask a few questions around documentaries, which is kind of the first part. Yes, please. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And and obviously your your documentaries have been around dance music, which is kind of a similar genre in which audio can deals with. So I wanted to start off with um, like how true are things? Uh, I'm, I'm starting on a very philosophical note, but how true are things uh, if they are not documented anywhere? Because in India, we had already always like an oral tradition and with the printing press and, and things like that, people started generally giving more authority or, or some sort of a recognition if it's written, if it's documented. So at a meta level, what's your reading about the whole documentation aspect of things? Well, I, I I get your point, and and uh, of course, um, no. In in German, uh, the German poet Goethe, he he said, "You only see what you know," and and um, I think that's a little bit the what, what you're referring to or the direction that you're uh, going at. And but I wouldn't go so far. I mean, I think uh, facts are are uh, uh, facts without someone documenting them, and. Uh, I, it, of course, the perspective changes when when you when you know more about it and when you when you when your uh, actual experience is enriched by what you read and what you heard and what you what you know about the phenomenon. But uh, um, I don't overestimate the role of the documentarist. Mm -hmm. Okay, but but like yeah, I mean, why don't you shoot it that like why don't you like completely agree with what? Uh this person said like why is it not what you see is real no what you see is real it's enhanced by what you know so so good to say you you only see what you know and and i think there is even a, a, a travel agency using this as the as a as a pitch line as a as a promotional line uh, to to selling trying to sell their their um, guides <laughs> but um 
got it so so how do you define like what to be documented i mean everything can be documented right so maybe also if you want to take a step back and and also would like to share how do you define public or private while documenting well uh, honestly when when i'm at work and i'm com- coming with my team and with the cameras uh, everything is public because uh, the the reality is changing anyway through through the presence of the camera and and i'm not i'm doing not doing that secretly so the people know that there is a camera and uh, from that moment on everything is public and i hope for the trust of the people that i'm working with that they know or that they trust me and that they rely on myself not misusing what i'm what i'm getting and uh, it i think you can use almost everything that you that you film uh, as long as you put it in, in the right context and in the right moment in the film and uh, i'm just saying this for for general uh, out of general uh, considerations I'm my, I myself, as, as a director, I'm not so interested in the so-called private moments. I'm not the private life. Let's say I'm, I did a lot of films on, on musicians and on, on performing artists and so on. And their private life is of no interest for me, the private life in the sense of who are they related with or whatever. How do they live? I, I don't care. But um, but if I if there's a chance or if there's the opportunity that I that I film something so-called private, I will try to put it in the right context. And most of the times I will not use it. I just recently I filmed someone I don't mention who it was, and uh, and all of a sudden he he um, he uh, how do you call it? He uh, prepared a joint, yeah, and and then he said, yeah, you are not using this. And I said, of course. What do you think? I, I will not pre- present this in public. I'm I'm, I'm not an asshole, you know. But um, but uh, anyway, I think the most intimate moments any uh, are not the moments when people are, are smoking a joint or, or uh, having their uh, together with their families i think the most intimate moments are when they are really in in the situation in in the flow of their work and this is what of course is attracts me a lot when i'm portraying artists uh, that i can witness those moments of of real flowing uh, 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 in, in in art production and then those people forget the camera and they forgot me and they forget everything because they're totally immersed in what they're creating and that's of course the most beautiful moments hmm. but then do you also i mean yeah it's a it's a little naive question but do you you just mentioned right when the camera is on everything is public so there could be a a sense of pretense uh or something might be going at a very sometimes at a superficial level so like how do you spot it or like what happens there or it's very um, rare in your case of the kind of people and the subjects that you choose you mean that that the reality that i'm encountering is not really satisfying oh uh, yeah. I, i'm not sure i got it yeah so so what happens is typically when 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 the camera is on people are conscious people are not themselves yeah. really really are so so how do you sort of have that that cusp where they are still getting into the flow but they are not yet because of the camera and everything yes well of course that's a that's a problem i i encounter always uh one thing is time after some time it will they will relax and they will mm-hmm. they will uh, they will forget me and they will 
forget what they prepared and what they what they how they wanted to um, to to look good and and, and all of that and um, and then of course there are also some tricks. Uh, often you get the most beautiful sentences when after the the official part, mm-hmm. and when by chance the camera is still running, it might be good. That's not. I, I don't mean that I'm betraying these people because they will see the the end result anyway. But um, then it might might be more authentic, more more relaxed, more unfiltered. Yeah, even I I notice this most of the time when <clears throat> I'm sorry. I notice this most of the time when uh, after the recording we have some conversation in which I wish that oh. This was part of the episode. exactly <laughs> yes yeah I, I had a, an interesting experience in that in that direction I just did, did some interviews with orchestra musicians and I wanted them it was an orchestra mixed of all nations all languages very very beautiful uh, um, project and and I wanted those people to speak in their native tongues and strangely they had big difficulties to speak in their native tongues. So but there were people speaking Russian, uh, uh, um, German, English, um, um, uh, Chinese. And so, for instance, the Chinese guy uh, tried to say something. And then I said, oh, I, I almost forgot my mother tongue. I so rarely speak in that language. Uh, it's difficult for me to express those things. And and then he did it somehow. And, and I asked him to summarize it just briefly in, in English. And that was so much better. <laughs> So I thought that's also an interesting trick. You let them speak in their native tongue, and then when they summarize it, you get the real take. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, so again, just t- taking a step back uh, of of not you particularly, but from your learnings of making uh, documentaries, like how objective this process should be, right? Because you'll always have your own biases. You'll always have the legacy and yeah it's it's always this there's finally someone who's objectively trying to do but the person who's doing is the subject also so how how objective yes. this this documentation should be or could be well first of all this is not such a high value for me so i don't mind that i'm biased and that i'm coloring what i'm getting this is what I'm doing anyway through editing and through through many, many, many things that we can talk about. Uh, you, you quoted Hitchcock before, and I adore Hitchcock. Um, really, he's my preferred preferred director of all, and I think North by Northwest is the best film of all times. Um, but uh, I think he's wrong in that with that quote that in documentaries, God is the director. Because uh, I think also in documentaries, uh, the, the director is God. Um <laughs> You know, this, it, um, of course, you have to work with, with what you get, but uh, you have to, you create situations and, and, and you bring some expectations to the, to the conversation or to the, to the scene that you are witnessing. And, um, and then you have to deal with what comes, but you're also pushing people. You, you're also uh, bringing people together, for instance, or you say, couldn't you do this for me? And so it's, there's a lot of direction already on this, on this first level. And then, of course, there there comes. So I always call it call it a wish list. I, I I come with a wish list. I don't have a script, but I have a wish list of elements that I would like to have in this film, and I try to to tick every line of my wish list, which sometimes is difficult. But then you also 
and here here maybe God comes uh, uh, into the picture, um, Hitchcock's God, um, then you get something that you didn't expect. Something happens and uh, and you have to deal with it. And then you have to be very alert and to um, seize that moment. Um, I let me tell you what's how you shouldn't do it. Uh, you, I think you're a good interviewer. And uh, uh, my my mother was a journalist, and she for for newspaper, and she she had a. Uh, an author who always did interviews and he did the worst interviews in the world. And his technique was when the person he talked to would say something unexpected, he would say, oh, sorry, this is not what I asked you. Uh, uh, we may talk about that later. And so when that happened, what every interviewer hopes that this his, his interviewee um, becomes lively and tells something unexpected, then he stopped them. And uh, and my mother always had to try to um, bring life back to those dead interviews. So this is how you shouldn't do it. But uh, yeah, when when these and in film it's the same. When when something unexpected ha unexpected happens, you have to recognize it and try to make something out of it. Uh, uh, this project that I just mentioned, where I did interviews with musicians, that was a it was a series of rehearsals in a very beautiful venue with a fantastic conductor. And I thought it could be interesting to, to film those rehearsals. And at some point in this, it was a symphony by Gustav Mahler, very long, difficult symphony. And at some point, uh, by accident, uh, the camera, one of the cameras showed uh, a drummer, uh, a lady, um, a Spanish lady, very tiny lady who was sitting next to those huge um, brass players. And there, there was this small, tiny uh, Spanish lady, uh, very uh, concentrated uh, on her drums and nicely hitting her drums. And and we were observing her and thought, oh, she's, she's really sweet in this, in this context. And at some point, she has put her fingers in her ears because the, the brass players around her were so loud. <laughs> and I thought that's a lovely moment that can be a it's not important for the film, but it can be a little little charming moment. And now the next step is to to work with this. So this is the gift that comes from God. And now here comes the director again. Uh, mm -hmm. The next step was that I interviewed this lady. Then we when we saw her saw her before the rehearsal um practicing in the corridor, we filmed her from distance. And then the afternoon, she sat at the cafe, cafeteria, and and had had a cafe, and we filmed her again. So, in the film, I haven't started editing editing it, but we will probably try to introduce her slowly as one uh, a line in the in the tapestry, um, so that when this moment comes when she closes her ears because the music is so loud, we already know her, and then that will lead to an experience with a with a spectator, and. And this is, yeah, this is a lot of directing and not just accepting what you get. Mm. Or it's a mix. Correct, correct. Now, I think uh, I wanted to like actually double click on this uh, thing because recently where I've joined newly as a head of design, uh, I've been giving this example quite often about uh, Hitchcock and say Tarantino, uh, where a, like I, I interviewed someone recently and uh, or read some interview. I, no, in fact, with Rajat Kapoor, one of India's uh, 
famous directors and he said like alfred hitchcock used to say that oh i have everything ready uh, the film is almost ready i have to shoot it <laughs> yes. which is which is no, kind of true. yeah which is kind of very different from a documentary style where uh, you are looking for those moments uh, and right. so so i wanted to just con- take this forward and ask that now the spanish lady you like it's not in the script it's it, you just found it now similarly yes. you can find many things so how do you time box it how do you decide i i know it's a very very gray and creative area where you can't really have framework or principles or definition that i will keep this or not i mean that's where the magic is but how do you is there anything that qualifies oh we should put this or not or is it like the impulse of the director is it like what's cooking there you have to be open you have to have a sensibility for for what what you are getting and and um i mean i'm i'm sure i missed many moments myself but uh sometimes i see something and then as as i, I told you with with this spanish lady then i'm trying to to yeah to build to write a script for around her let's say mm-hmm. so it's it's really a mix of of uh, anticipation and reaction and of course hitchcock uh, is absolutely right for for feature films and um or for fictional films and especially himself i know that the the american studios hated him the producers hated him because they couldn't edit his films in another way than he had sh- shot them because he didn't do the standard hollywood coverage where you have every perspective from here from here and from here and um and uh, so that you can edit 10 different films he just had his shot list and there was just one way to edit it and so that gave him some power on the also on the termination and, and the post production process and no it's not like that in documentaries but it it's not it's not total random either so it's it's a mix of yeah as i said a mix of of anticipation or what i call the wish list it's really not a script it's it's a wish list and it's relatively open and then those chance encounters those happy moments that you get and that you should cherish got it yeah and and then so could you also little bit tell about what what's yeah like you mentioned that you have a wish list so in in maybe pick an example we can like probably take dance or music music i think i can relate more so suppose you have like documenting a, a musician can you tell us because i'm just digressing from the questions which i had i'm like, i know where where we, like where we are going i'm liking that portion so how does that wish list come about is it not just from research but also your like yeah i mean i wouldn't have any follow up question but you know what i mean yes let, let me think of a good good example um i'm just thinking of the film that i'm doing right now i'm, I'm not the, the one with this the orchestra but i'm i'm doing a film on pianists uh, on piano playing and and with a swiss pianist a wonderful pianist a uh, younger younger guy i'm traveling to old pianists like some legend living legends and we are trying to um get their secret the secret magical tricks uh yeah. to find those tricks out and um so how is how is it 
typical moment. Um, we visited a um, French pianist, an old gentleman, who was a successful pianist when he was young. And then he had some kind of religious vision and um, is now, he joined a monastery and he was Jewish, now he's Catholic. And and he jo joined the monastery and after some time he entirely stopped playing the piano, at least in public. And we visited him because his early recordings were so fantastic, uh, but also because we were curious about how uh, religious imagery um, changed his way of piano playing. So what would in this case have been the wish list? Um, and it's interesting because in this case, it's not me who is talking to the gentleman, but it's my friend, the pianist, who is also in the picture. So it's more dialogue between colleagues, which is totally different than an interview, standard interview situation. But of course, my friend is not an experienced filmmaker. He's a pianist. So he is not as good maybe as I am in asking questions because he is too soon too happy. And he would say, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I understand, instead of letting the other person really speak. Yeah. And um, so and sometimes I had to interfere and say, no, no, hold on, hold on. He Let him explain it. You may understand it, but the audience may not. And, and I had some points on my wish list the, the example is not good. I'm sorry, but but it gives you a, a feeling for for the, those kind of situations. So my, you know, on my list, I had I want Monsieur Cars uh, talk about this. I want him to talk about this, and I have to push the conversation and the situation there that uh, that he that he does it. And one very important uh, detail on my wish list: I wanted him to play the piano which he doesn't do anymore. So at, we had to find the right moment to ask him, sir, would you be so kind to give us a little example on the piano? He was already, we had already set him on the piano. So he knew that it might um, happen, even though as he said, oh, you know, I haven't played for a long time. So, and then he nicely, he, he did it. And it was very moving. It was technically not perfect, but musically it was very profound. Uh, with all his history and with all his experience and with the, all these religious experiences that he had. So he played and he explained us what he saw during his playing. And that was yeah, good goosebumps, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, elements on a wish list that you try to get. The order doesn't matter. The um, All techniques are allowed to, to get to your... Yeah. To your um, to your goal, yeah. Yeah, no, I I got the drift. I think because uh, audio again after like two eight seventy plus episodes, I think uh, documenting is more about you have some broad bullet points which you want to talk about, and then everything unfolds in the conversation itself. Is that a fair understanding? Absolutely, absolutely. No, really, you have to trust the flow of the conversation and. And if you don't do that, then then you miss it. But at some mm. points, you have to get back to your script and say, yeah, but let's talk about this as well. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So I'll, I'll just take back to our conversation, which was like, then what qualifies to be a good documentary? Is there a parameter? Is there a aesthetic angle? I mean, yes, there is, but is it quantifiable? Are there 
because yeah i mean for commercial success you have some box office collections and stuff like that right uh, for a documentary how do you like is there any way to measure it's good great it's i mean we of course there's also some kind of box office and and when your film has no viewers at all that says something and when it has a lot of viewers it also says something so it's it's not entirely detached and um but for me it's a good documentary is is a film that makes you experience something i think that's the most important the, the most important aspect that you really experience whatever the director wants to show you and not that you not only have a collection of facts that you digest and that you try to memorize because facts in our time i think in all times but especially in our times facts are not interesting anymore because you get facts online in one minute through wikipedia or whatever so you don't need facts also when i think of my film of, uh, about doshi um he, doshi built 100 buildings or even more and i think the best film is about doshi is not the one that shows most of his buildings but the one who really conveys doshi's spirit let's say and um and yeah i i call it an experience so you have to find a way that the the viewer really lives what you're trying to present to him yeah that's for me the best film and it doesn't matter what it's about it doesn't need to be about an important person like bibi doshi it can also be a film about some shepherd or or a film about uh, i don't know a, a bee um in the garden if you do it in a compassionate way that really draws the audience into the film it can be wonderful and there are many examples of that kind but then how how does one start i mean what then the question is what qualifies to be documented because even one day before in fact starting audio again long time ago i was just thinking why don't i just interview like have small snippets of my like my guard and security and watchmen of my building and just like start there right so you can start anywhere mm-hmm. so like what do you like how do you arrive at a plot a meta narrative or what qualifies to be a doc, doc, like what qualifies to be documented it's it's the approach it's it's uh, what you plan to do it's it's not the subject matter it can it really can be any subject matter i mean it's it's a little bit more difficult to to make a very thrilling film about a meadow um but it i i i think i'm not able to do it but i can imagine someone is around who could do it so it's it's not the subject matter it's it's the the approach it's the the storyline that you have in mind your capacity to find a good structure and and to to move people i mean if you if those guards of your house are very very dull people it might be difficult <laughs> to do to do a compelling mm-hmm. film with them but maybe even then it's it's possible yeah. you might may find some some moving aspect of the personality that you think oh yeah now i understand him and correct and and if i have to zoom out this and take at a much more bigger level in a sense not the kind of uh, like unfortunately i have not seen all your work but whatever i have uh, in if you remove that aspect and 
consider documentaries which are made by say bbc and other sort of productions where they are they are saying something which is like going beyond 500 years and th- thousands of years and those kind of narratives mm-hmm. like how are those again thought with a subject so this breaks right what you said just now because there's no approach there's a subject that which they want to say and that's how I, we have been exposed to documentaries at least yes well uh, historic documentaries are co- of course uh, cha- challenging because you don't have um film documents that you can use you don't have audio documents documents that you can use uh, so you have to find another way you can have people who tell you but that's a bit boring you ha- can try to reenact scenes uh, and i also do that sometimes i'm not a big fan of reenactments but sometimes i do it it's it's difficult and most examples that i see are done with bad taste i would say um in this film on yoga that i did in india 15 years ago i i did some reenactments because uh, in this film it's about the father let's say of modern yoga a very important person called krishnamacharya who lived in south india and he many many branches of of modern yoga are related to this to this person and for instance pks ayengas yoga and ashtanga yoga what they called it by patabi joys and so on and and uh, krishnamacharya did yoga demonstrations when he was relatively young uh, in in mysore at the for the maharaja of mysore the maharaja founded yoga school and that was the the birthplace of modern yoga i would say and um and those demonstrations served to to entertain the maharaja and to also to uh, get attraction to yoga to popular popularize yoga and i found that very interesting they were like theater performances and uh, and unfortunately there were no documents of those not even photographs of those uh, demonstrations but i talked to many people who witnessed them uh, the youngest son of of krishnamacharya and other people so i knew quite well what they might have looked like looked like so i reconstructed them and i found some very good practitioners we developed some kind of choreography that is also not authentic because there are no documents uh, proving exactly what 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 happened but we had some uh, yeah met, there are many scholars talking about this so we we did a choreography that might be more or less accurate and and had good practitioners and then we looked for the right costumes and all of that was 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 feasible and a person who could be this krishnamacharya um teacher which was difficult because he he was really a saintly person so we couldn't take some any guy it should, this guy needed to have some aura but we found some some uh, uh, someone and the outcome was so um believable that almost no one who watched the film today thinks that this is done by me but they all think it's it's an authentic historic document from the 1930s which is flattering but also uh, a bit puzzling because uh, of course i don't want to betray someone i could have put a caption uh, uh, telling um, reconstruction or reenactment but i didn't want to do that because this is destroying the 
the the flow of the film and and the illusion. So it's a, it's a bit hard. And I uh, also, which is also a bit one thing that's a bit sad is I there's no recognition <laughs> for this work of of reconstructing it because everyone thinks I just found it in some basement in Mysore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's tricky with with reenactments. Correct, correct. In fact, that leads me. So this this part, I'll I'll conclude with two questions, and this is very very close to my heart because you gave a nice example, and I found a good segue that can then documentaries be dangerous um, to society? Think, to you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I think for me, documentary, a good documentary is art, and I think the art is always dangerous because you are um you have a let's say potential existential experience when you confront yourself to 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 work of art it's really dangerous you, you one shouldn't forget that when you goes when one goes to a movie theater or to a concert or wherever it can change your life and this is happening and you never know when so in that sure. sense i think documentaries are dangerous yes yeah yeah beautiful because uh, when i interviewed rajat kapoor uh, the the actor whom i spoke about even he said that art he didn't use the word dangerous but he said that art has a power to move and change things but not in a short term uh, if it's short term then it's propaganda but in a long term mm-hmm. if it changes is things is definitely powerful medium yeah that's very well so put yes i agree yeah <laughs> Cool. And and like because you have always been in documenting artists, like don't you feel you're missing out the actual live moment rather than the technicalities? Or you simulate, or you, I mean, because there are different ways of uh, of shooting. Uh, it might happen that like because we'll follow up in that Vivi Doshi's interview where he's talking something and you're so deep into it that you forget to even switch on the camera i mean that 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 could happen right so what's your yes. like in the last few decades how do you see which is more powerful like just documenting without sort of without sort of an agenda and just let it unfold or uh, simulate certain situations in fact in both these what becomes a powerful narrative also or is it up to the well, directors yeah. there are those two those two options of course but uh, before you do that uh, you have to decide to do it through a film at all and i think this is already a way of of missing out the real or can be a way to missing the the real experience and and you know, this is a professional reflex that I'm also sometimes questioning. When I see something that touches me and then automatically almost, I think, oh, I should do a film about that. Instead of just enjoying it and relaxing and maybe trying to get another experience of that kind, um, always this reflex, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to capture this. I, uh, how can I do this? And so this is, this is, uh, uh, in, in, in French, you say deformation professionnelle, uh, professional de- deformation of yourself. Um, but on the other hand, you know what? What I'm trying, or what 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 I think all, all artists are trying, uh, they they make a profound experience and they try to uh, how can you say um, to objectivate it and to 
bring it into some form that other people can experience that. So it's it's a way of sharing experiences, which is not bad. I mean, uh, maybe my own experience is a bit diminished, but um, but I can share it. Hmm. So it's more of absorbing. Yeah, I'm I'm putting it very loosely, but yeah, it's more of absorbing that moment and then trying to recreate or trying to express so that it it comes as close to reality as possible. Yes, I mean this the the reality. It's 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 an interesting uh, trajectory. Uh, you start with reality, let's say, uh, and as I said, it's already a reality that has some is also influenced by the director because first of all the cameras they are changing the situation then i'm there telling people couldn't you do this could you do that could you do come here uh why don't we do the film all in my house so please all come to my house and this has not so much to do with reality anymore and then and then there's this very very um artificial process of editing and in editing, you put everything upside down and you really question every detail and you you listen to takes and you're watching takes a hundred times. And I tell you, you I mean, you, you have the experience yourself, but um, when you listen, I, at some point when I was editing the film on Bibi Doshi, I knew him so well. It was like, I, it was like a, I, I could have been, have written a book on one sentence by him because I heard so many nuances after those months of editing and listening to these sentences again and again and again and you, all of a sudden you notice okay maybe he's referring to this and here's this very very tiny laughter in this sentence and here this sounds a bit ironic and this sounds a bit sad and why this word and oh, it's it's really like a <laughs> mountain that you that you climb and so you're working with this and the, the whole process of process of editing is consists of trying out things, putting back and forth and combining elements. And uh, so this has very little to do with reality, with this, this first reality that you that you encountered on, on day one, let's say. But of course, the, the goal is to create something like a higher reality or a purged reality or a transcendent reality at the end. I want people to say, yes, this is Bibi Doshi. This is even the best Bibi Doshi I've ever experienced. Okay. So, um, yeah, this, this is the, the trajectory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what we'll do is we'll take, uh, we'll conclude this episode and we'll continue our conversation in the part two, where I would like to talk about the promise Bibi Doshi, the architect, uh, and we'll, we'll continue there. So, uh, Anything you want to just conclude with this topic of documentary, like your any any learnings, observations uh, as a as an art form? Mm, yeah, let me say one thing. Uh, it's a very inefficient way of storytelling. I think this is something people don't think of. Uh, documentaries are long, and and the the, the the on the on a factual level they're not they not necessarily convey that much I, I i give you an example i um last summer i i uh, went to a greek 
island called uh, Hydra. It's a very beautiful island. And Hydra has a, has a particularity uh, that I can tell you like this. Um, the mayor of Hydra banned all plastic chairs and all uh, Coca-Cola fridges and, and advertisement posters of his island. And that lead, leads to a very homogeneous um, impression of the, the island. And I can also tell it like this. When I came to Hydra for the first time, or Hydra, I don't know how I got it, um, I came by boat and I, I uh, left the boat and, and walked down the, the, the uh, pavement. And already the first bar at the harbor was so appealing somehow that I thought, oh, I, I want to sit there. I want to have a drink at this bar. And then I went on, and the next bar was even more beautiful. And I thought, what's what's going on here? Why is all everything so beautiful? And then I, then I noticed that there are no plastic chairs, that there are no posters, that there are no Coca-Cola fridges. And then I learned that the mayor of Hydra banned all these things, which was a very clever move of this gentleman. So, you know, the second version is much longer. And... Yeah, it, it takes much more film time, let's say, but it leads to an experience because I share my experience. And that makes you, hopefully, um, see Hydra with my eyes. Whereas the first version, which is very short, um, gives you the facts. So you can write to a friend, I know in Hydra they don't have those, those okay. um, ugly umbrellas. Um, yeah, but that's not what it's what it's about. A documentary should convey a real experience. Beautiful, beautiful. I think because I'm I'm like into the digital world, we have something similar called as infographics, and then there is a good storytelling. I think infographics are yeah, you get the facts and they are dissected on many axes and just shown in different formats for you to bring analogies and metaphors but i think the human uh, emotion and human perspective is missing in that so yes. i think that one sentence can also make it beautiful the entire graphic yes and in your, in your science i think uh, redundancy is an important word and uh, so in in the arts you shouldn't avoid redundancy all the time some redundancy is very helpful for the experience Yes, absolutely. Cool. I think uh, we'll we'll conclude with this. Thanks a lot for giving your time, and uh, I'll meet you in the second episode very soon. Thanks. And that's it from today's Gan session. For show notes and more Gan, visit audiogan.com. And if you wish to connect with me, I'm at audiogan moments on Instagram. Until then, take care.